I'm so glad to be here. I love Pastor Rod and his family. I've actually known Pastor Rod since before I was born. Like my mom was serving at Calvary Redlands alongside Rod while like I was in the womb. So literally I've known Rod my entire life. I got the opportunity to go to school with all of his kids, which is fantastic. Uh, so I love Pastor Rod. I'm, I'm super excited uh, for this opportunity to be here this morning. Side note, this is like super surreal for me because in high school, people are like, Andrew, you know, God is this calling in life. I'm like, no, he doesn't. I'm like, yeah, he does. So to be up here speaking for you guys, is just, it's a kind of a trip for me. Um, but I like to start every message and, and uh, I love fun facts. That's something you have to know about me is I love fun facts. I love fun facts about you. I love fun facts about the world around us. Um, so fun fact, I played tackle football uh, for five years, seventh grade to my junior year. I didn't play my senior year because I racked up Several knee injuries, concussion, fracture my hand. It's all good. Um, that is me up in the far right corner. Again, I don't know who that man is, uh, but it's me. That's people my freshman year. But I played football in high school, and I'll catch this. My freshman year, this is another fun fact, our varsity team, drumroll please, won a resounding zero games. Okay, we won zero games my freshman year. My sophomore year, there were so few kids playing that we had to have seven or eight of our starting varsity players had to start and play JV uh, the day before. So we'd play, get all beat up, banged up, bruised up, and then go get beat up, banged up, bruised up some more the next day. Um, so another drum roll, please. Our sophomore year, we really turned the program. We won a whopping uh, 0-1 game. It was fantastic. Uh, really stepped up our game. But here's the crazy part. By my junior year, we had made it to CIF playoffs. And by our senior year, even though I didn't play, we had made it to CIF finals. And so the secret, thank you. I was only there for most of the losing because um, I didn't play my senior year. No, um, what's crazy though is, is it wasn't like the athletes or the, the, the coaches stayed the same. We had the same coaches, kind of brought on one or two, but the head coach was the same. The core team was the same. It wasn't that we had better athletes, although we did develop some great athletes. We did have some good athletes, but like the people my freshman year were out of this world. Like Cameron's story was so strong that he would bend every bar that he used when he worked out. Like we were talking like, dude, Cameron, stop. Like none of us can work out anymore because we have no bars left. He was so strong that if he didn't use his padded plates while doing deadlift, if he dropped it, the plates would crack. Like, that's how much weight this guy's lifting. We have this dude, James Chang. He's one of the fastest people I've ever met. He could weave in out of traffic on the field. It was unbelievable. He was amazing. But the thing that turned around our football program was not the athletes. It wasn't the coaching. It was unity. It was unity. I remember I had a, a friend, Alex, who had the opportunity to play on varsity as a freshman. And he's like, man, those huddles are a nightmare. I mean, they hate each other. Everyone wants to run a different play. Everyone feels like they're at the Super Bowl and it's their st- t- time to shine. And they all want to be, you know, the superstars. Like, dude, they, there's no teamwork. There's no cohesion. But by my senior year, there was such tight unity. There was a brotherhood that we're able to make it to CIF finals. And that thing, unity, that thing that I lacked my freshman year on the football program, that, that thing that we need, that thing that turned around is the same thing that we need in our marriages. That lack of unity is the same thing that's tearing apart our marriages. The lack of unity is the same thing that's tearing apart our households. It's tearing apart our workplaces, our relationships with our friends, our relationship with family. It's tearing apart us as individuals. It's tearing our nation apart. Like you turn on the news and everybody's just out ends. We need unity. It turned my football program around and I believe it can change our lives as well. So we're gonna jump into Ephesians chapter four this morning. Uh, But before we do that, will you please pray with me? Father God, uh, thank you so much, God, that you gave us your son so that we can call you father. God, I pray that you just be with us this morning, God. Maybe we've had a rough week or if you're like me, a rough 2019, God. Um, And we just need to hear from you this morning, God. I pray that you speak to us. 
Father God, I pray for Pastor Lucas and uh, his team and kids, church God, as they, they share the gospel with the kids. Father God, I, and I pray for myself, God, that as I speak, it would be all you and not me this morning, uh, that you just bless us this morning and we have a great time. Sure, since then we pray. Amen. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter four here real quick. I'm gonna read through the verses we're going through and then we'll, we'll go back and we'll, we'll break down and see what Paul's trying to tell us here. So it's Ephesians chapter four, it says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, again, this is Paul talking. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's no amen, but I'm going to say amen. So I, I want to look at this this morning, because this morning I really want to talk about the fight for unity. Because it is a fight, and it's a fight worth fighting for. And so I want to look at this uh, here and, and see the first steps that we can take into fighting for unity. So again, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. Verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. We'll stop right there. Be completely humble and gentle. Normally when we hear the word humble, uh, we have this picture of, of making ourselves low. And that's really only half of what humility is. True humility is making yourself low with the intention or the purpose of lifting someone or something up or lifting up those around you. That's true humility. And gentleness is this lack of harshness. It's, it's a soft heart, a soft spirit. And I love that Paul talks about humility and gentleness because I think we all know that we're supposed to be humble, right? We all have that friend who's super prideful or a borderline narcissist or like a full-blown narcissist and they're insufferable and nobody likes to be around them. We know being super prideful and arrogant doesn't get you very far. We all know we should be humble, but yeah, I, I think we miss what Paul's really trying to tell us here because a lot of us, uh, the opposite of, of humility is pride, the opposite of humility is pride and that selfishness. And so for a lot of us through our day-to-day, -day, if we were to completely honest, most of our day is frankly about us. And so for most of us, pride, at least in some area of our life or in certain situations, runs the ship. It's behind the steering wheel. And so what we do is we go, you know what? I gotta be humble because I got a big interview and I want that promotion. Or like, I gotta be humble right now because I wanna keep this friend here. And so what we do is we, we push the pride aside, which sounds like a good thing, like, yeah, push pride off to the side. Or we, we push pride into the passenger seat and the back seat and we're humble for that moment. But here's what happens when you just push pride to the side. As soon as that situation's over, as soon as the, the new day begins or, that, or that, that pride starts creeping back in, the pride is gonna creep back in. It's gonna kick humility out of the driver's seat and it's gonna be driving the ship again. Paul is saying we need to be completely humble. That means humble all the time, not just in certain situations, not just when it's easy for us. He's talking about being humble all the time. In order to do that, we have to do what Jesus says in Luke. When, taught, when asked about what does it mean to follow Jesus, he says this, those that want to follow me, they must pick up their cross daily and deny themselves. We must take up our cross daily and deny ourselves. Now, let me make something clear. The cross then is not what it is today. <laughs> The cross now is this cool thing we have on t-shirts and some people get it tattooed. We have it on our cars, we have it in our houses and the cross has become this symbol of hope and redemption and, and God's love for us, this, this thing of unity. But back then, that's not what it was. Jesus had not yet redeemed the cross. The cross back then was a brutal form of execution and murder. 
It was the ultimate punishment for a crime and it meant death. And so when Jesus talks about the cross here, normally people would run the other way because it means a brutal, horrible execution. And that's what we have to do to our pride. It's not just about pushing pride off to the side for a little bit because it's just gonna come right back. So what's the point? Becoming completely humble and being completely gentle means crushing and destroying, killing our pride so we have a real chance at being humble. And it's hard. It's something we have to do daily. That's why Jesus says, pick up your cross daily. Or if you're like me, you have to send a reminder for like every five minutes because you're just bad at it. And it's tough. And this is something I I struggle with a lot. And the people throughout the Bible, I remember Cain, uh, God's talking to Cain right before he kills his brother. He says, Cain, sin is knocking at the door of your heart. It's desirous for you, but you must rule over it. And we have to rule over our pride. And it's hard. It's not easy. Trust me. I get it. Me and my little sister, uh, another fun fact, um, I have three sisters, uh, two older, one younger. The older siblings, the next oldest um, is 10 years older than me. My oldest sister, I think we're about 13, 14 years apart. Same mom and dad. Like they never divorced, never split. Same mom and dad, they stayed together. The joke in our family is the older sisters are phase one and me and my little sister are the phase two kids. Um, But man, me and my little sister used to go to war. I mean, we didn't bicker and quarrel. No, no, no. Like if there was weapons in the house, like there would have been a full blown, the UN would have had to get involved. We went to war over the the most petty things. Like I would come home from work or or school or from football practice and she just, hey, Andrew, how'd your day go? Fine. Why'd you say it like that? What do you mean why'd I say it like that? Well, why do I always have to do this? Why do I always have to do what? You're always so mean. And there's be this huge explosion. And my mom comes in the house. My sister's crying. I'm upset. She's like, why is your sister crying? Why are you upset? My dad's like, your mom's calling me. What's going on? I'm like, I don't even know. Because <laughs> of these little things. Or my favorite is I would get up to use the restroom and God forbid she was in the bathroom before me. Like banging on the door and I'd hear, taken. Like, what do you mean taken? Don't you know I have to use the bathroom? And it'd just be these huge fiascos. My dad's like, Andrew, stop picking on your sister. I'm like, well, she's being mean, doesn't she know? And it'd be this big, horrible thing and it's over nothing. And we laugh because it sounds so ridiculous, but isn't that what's tearing our marriages apart? Is coming home and just a simple question turns into an argument? Isn't that what's destroying the relationships with our kids? Because we come home and there's just a miscommunication and it just explodes. Like, oh, Andrew, you're the single guy. What do you know about running a family? What do you know about marriage? I've talked to enough people and I've seen enough marriages fall apart and I've seen enough kids come through the doors in tears because their, their household is falling apart. Maybe not experienced, but I know full well what lack of unity can do to a household, what a lack of humility can do to a household, what a lack of gentleness can do to a household. Man, if I was just gentle with my sister, hey, how was your day? Fine, why'd you say that? It was just a long day. End of argument. There's no knives being pulled out. There's no shoes being thrown across the living room. It would be so simple, and it is so simple to understand, but it is a fight for unity. It is a fight, but it's a fight worth fighting for. Can you imagine coming home uh, to a significant other where there was complete humility between the two? Probably not, because we're so bad at it, we can't even imagine it. You guys are coming home to a sibling and you guys, there's just humility and gentleness or going to a workplace where people are humble and gentle and they're making themselves known low, not to just make themselves low, but to lift you up. And you're making yourself low to lift up somebody else. Man, watch how that would change your household. That would be amazing. Watch how it change your marriage, your kids' lives, your community. Watch how that would change our church. But it starts with taking pride to the cross and killing it flat out and executing the pride, and beating it into submission, and every single day, ruling over it. That's the first step in unity. That's the first step to life change, is being completely humble, and completely gentle. Second half of verse two. It says, be patient, 
bearing with one another in love. We'll pause right there. That word patience there, normally you think of patience. Um, I, I grew up in the church, and so there's a thing that's always said is, Andrew, you never pray for patience. I'm like, why not? Like, it's the good biblical thing. Like, no, 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 because if you pray for patience, God's going to give you examples and times for you to practice your patience. I don't want to do that. I'm like, all right, fair enough. This idea of being honest. This idea of being patient, it isn't just being patient in traffic and like laying off the horn and, and keeping the middle finger down. It's not just being patient. I've seen some of you guys on the fruit. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. It's not just being in line at the DMV and you're behind the old lady who can't hear and so it's taking forever. The, the young teenager who's having a hard time filling out the forms. That was me having a hard time filling out the forms, right? That's not what patience is. That word patience here actually means long suffering, means long suffering. And we don't like that. <laughs> we don't like long suffering. We don't like suffering at all because it, it hurts. It, it, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. We, we don't like it. But, but Paul has pointed this out very clearly because there's something very important about long suffering and, and suffering in general because suffering builds unity. Unity is built in suffering. Are you, one of the reasons why our football team was to unite so well is because we suffered together. I mean, not just physically throwing our bodies at each other and getting beat up and crushed and destroyed, but like the emotional damage and the trauma from just seeing zero to like 58 and like, or, or coming to a school where people call you loser and it's true because that's all you have done is lo- like lose. Like it hurts more when the bullying's true. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're not wrong, right? It got so bad that they wouldn't even ask if we won. They go, hey, how bad did you lose? It was awful. And we suffered together, but the, the, the few of us that stuck through it, and I didn't make it my senior year because God was calling me here to spend more time here, and I think he injured my knee to get the message across. But the reason we were able to unify is because we suffered together. We bared with one another in love. We, we didn't attack each other like the seniors my freshman year did. No, no, we were there for each other. We fought for each other. I fought for John, even though we didn't always get along. I fought for Eddie and for Alex and Casey. I fought for Bradley, who was behind me. I fought for them together because as we suffer together, it builds unity because we have to unite in the suffering because we can't do it alone. But, but there's another thing that suffering does uh, apart from just building unity is suffering actually helps destroy and beat down the pride. It helps destroy the doubt and the shame. Suffering helps kill the pride that we need to kill to be humble. About one and a half, two years ago, um, the youth group was gonna have a big event. Um, is that f- Grace Point, formerly First Baptist Ukaipa. It was called The Merge, and we're gonna get together with uh, several of the, the churches in the area and have this big youth group thing, and we did, and it was awesome. Um, but they asked me to speak. They're like, Andrew, we want you to speak. I'm like, yeah, awesome, I'm gonna speak in front of all these kids. Like, what am I gonna talk about? This is gonna be great. But the night before, my, my little cousin, Sevi, was rushed to the hospital. He hadn't been doing well. He had this fever that wouldn't go away, very flu-like, and so they, they rushed him to the ER, and so we're driving around the next day, just picking up stuff for the event, and we're by the hospital, and so Michael, the youth pastor before me, He's like, hey, let's go, let's go visit your cousin. I'm like, sweet. So it's Michael in the car, Caitlin, who's one of our awesome uh, youth leaders, and my little sister who I go to war with. Um, and so we're in the car, we're driving there, and me and my sister are probably fighting, and Caitlin and Michael are probably just trying to do damage control. And so we park up on top of the parking structure, and we're going down the, the elevator, and I see my Uncle Armando. I'm like, oh, so I'm going to mess with him. It'd be funny. And so he's walking around, and we get down, like, hey, Uncle Armando, and his face is just pale. I'm like, uh-oh, that's not a good sign. And he looks to Michael and he just goes, it's cancer. 
I just felt my heart drop and come back up like three times. I was like, cancer? Well, what, what do you mean cancer? Like, what kind of cancer? How long does he have? What stage is it? And, like, he's a kid. He's a, he loves the Lord. Like, he's a Christian kid. Why would God give him cancer? Like, why would God let that happen? Armando's a pastor. And my mind is spinning, and we start walking inside about 10 steps in. My sister breaks down and starts crying, and Caitlin goes over and consoles her. And uh, I want to cry, but I don't like crying in front of people. And uh, so then Michael starts crying. He's like, bro, I don't know if I can do it. And I remember embracing him. And not just him, but like embracing him, like, man, I know it's hard, but we got to do it for Sevi. We got to be strong for Sevi right now, man, because he's a kid with cancer, and that's got to be scary. And I still remember he wiped his tears away, and he got to go see Sevi. But uh, I remember sitting there in the hospital and on the drive home as the, the suffering set in. Because that's hard to see someone you love about. That, that's scary cancer. And I remember the suffering setting in as Michael's calling other pastors. Like, hey, it's Pastor Mike from Sanctuary. Hey, remember Armando? His, his son Sevi has cancer. Sevi has cancer, Sevi has cancer, Sevi, and I heard it over and over and over again. I had to go, go teach in front of these kids, and the, and the suffering was hard, and it was brutal, but you know what? Me and my sister stopped going to war for a little bit because we had something to unite over, because now we had to bear with one another in love. I actually had to love my sister for a change because we needed to make it through a tough time, and we couldn't go through it alone. Watching the family rally around, around Sevi and Armando and Amanda and to love on him and to pray for him and to be there for him was, was amazing and beautiful. And I see people here and from other churches in this church like come up to me and Andrew, we're praying for Sevi, man. We're praying for you and your family. Anything you or Sevi needs, let me know. I'm like, oh, this is love. And Michael Thompson getting over 100 people to go and pray over the hospital. And it was amazing watching people come together in love. They weren't coming together going, Andrew, we want to pray for Sevi to make themselves look good. They're doing it because they cared. Good news is Sevi is doing better. He has a full head of hair and he's playing basketball pretty soon. So Sevi is recovered. It's been a scary journey. I just didn't want to leave you guys hanging. Like, how's Sevi doing? He is doing better, but that was scary for me and my family. But it was so much growth came out of us at church. There's friends and bonds I have now with people because they kept texting me every day, Andrew, I'm praying for you and your family. I'm praying for Sevi. And relationships grew amidst the suffering. Even though it hurt and it's scary to have a kid with cancer in the family that you love, but we grew together, but we cannot do it alone. That's why it says, bear with one another in love. I could have not handled Sevi having cancer by myself. Good night. I would have locked myself in the room and just disappeared. We cannot do it. And I've tried doing life alone, and it does not end well. You go to a very dark place very quickly, and then the, pile, the, 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 the pain and the hurts will keep piling on. We have to have long suffering. If we want true unity, we have to be comfortable in the long suffering, as uncomfortable as it is. We have to fight through the hurt so that we can have true unity because as we suffer, the, the pride will diminish. The, it becomes easier to be humble maybe and we get to unify and be there for one another and have empathy for one another. Did me and my sister still fight? Yes, absolutely. We're brother and sister. It's what we do. <laughs> Was there still stuff going on in my life? Yes, but it took a back seat for a while. It was okay, and it made it easier to unify as a family and as a church. And I was so thankful, as scary as it was, to be able to go through that and to have these relationships and to have that love grow and have that unity grow. But it is a fight. If you've ever been in suffering, it's a fight for sure. But if we go to God, he'll give us peace in the suffering. He won't necessarily take the problem away, but he'll give you peace in the pain. I want to read verse three here. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Make every effort. Paul's a very good writer and he, he puts that, that phrase, make every effort very strategically because here's what I've seen in the church. Again, I grew up in the church. I went to Christian school for 
14 years, well, it's a long time, right? And what, what I've seen happen is I'll see people and I'll pray for people or people will pray for me. I'm like, man, oh, that's awesome. And they'll say amen and we don't do anything. We just sit back on the couch on the TV and, and we'll pray for each other. Like, oh man, I'm so sorry your family's going through that. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna be there for you guys. And then we never go and actually be there for the family. That like the, the work, the effort, the prayer stops at the amen for some reason. But Paul is very strategic here that we need to make every effort. Remember, it's a fight for unity. That means there's some work that needs to be done. We have to fight for it. And it's not going to be easy. I will never sit up here. I'll never stand in front of you or the students and tell you that it's easy. I will not do that because I'd be lying. Remember, I was at a funeral uh, for my buddy Isaac when he passed away. And I remember the pastor, and it was emotional. I don't hold it against the guy. But I remember him saying, just follow Jesus. It's that easy. And I'm like, really? Because it's pretty hard for me. And I was talking to someone yesterday, and it's pretty hard for them. It's not easy, but we need to make every effort. And here's why. Because if we're not making every effort, if we're starting to slack off because, because we've, we've begun to become humble and we've begun to become gentle and we're learning to love one another and to have that long suffering and so we'll get a taste of the unity and we'll go, ooh, that's good. All oh, this unity is real nice. And so then we'll stop being humble and gentle and we'll stop being, being patient in the suffering and, and the love will diminish and then pretty soon our life will be falling apart and we'll go to open our hands where the unity was and it'll be empty because it's a continual thing. It's not a one-time thing. The days where we slack off, like Jesus says, take it to the cross daily, carry your cross daily, deny yourself daily. The days where we don't do that are the days that the pride takes control again. The days we don't do that are the days that the addictions become defining us again. The days we don't do that is when we start backsliding and falling into the the things we've been running from. And so we have to make every effort. I knew that very well as a football player. I was a lineman. I was one of the big fat guys that you see up front. And man, if I took a playoff, it meant Bradley had his career ended. It meant Kasuma had a career ended. It meant Tony had a career ended. We were not allowed to take plays off as linemen. I remember a play where I, I, I took a playoff and Josh Richardson, I heard a scream and the doctor came back and he had torn three ligaments in his meniscus in his knee because I took a playoff. And I remember watching the film and go, what if only, what if only? And the reality is we've been doing that too. We've been taking days off in our marriages and they've been damaged because of it. We've, we've been taking days off with our, with our friends that we actually care about and they've been damaged because of it. We, we, we've taken days off with our kids or with our coworkers or just with our own relationship with God and it suffered because of it, because those days we took off are days that the pride and the sins and the struggles came back in and started running our lives again. But that can't be. We have to make every effort and we have to keep fighting for unity if we want real life change. But I'm going to read verse four, and I apologize if I get kind of loud and talk fast, because it's something I'm passionate about. It's Jesus, and I love Jesus. Because Jesus is going to tie this all together beautifully here. Because verse four, it says this, there is one body and one spirit. Just you're called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's one body, one spirit. There's one hope that we have. There's one reason we get baptized. There's one banner we're supposed to unite under. There's one cross we're supposed to fall at the the feet of, and that's the cross of Jesus. That's the banner of Jesus. That one hope we should have in our lives is Jesus. And so often we we forsake Jesus or we've never taken him on, but, but Jesus encapsulates this beautifully. You want to talk about humility. Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God. (laughs) Like the thing we have hope in heaven, like the thing that our our hope should be in, this amazing thing we look forward to. Jesus gave that up to be born to a poor family 
in a cave. Like Jesus gave it up. That's true humility. Man, I won't even give up my, my seat for somebody, let alone giving up that. Man, that's true humility. You want to talk about being gentle. I mean, people came after Jesus while he's trying to do good, and he's the only person with the power and the authority to just call down lightning and zap them, but he didn't, and he loved them instead. I mean, Jesus is the perfect example of gentleness. And you want to talk about suffering? You want to talk about suffering? Jesus was in the desert for, for 40 days without food. So he can hear from his dad, so he can hear from his father. And he was tempted in that. You want to talk about suffering? Jesus talks about carrying a cross. He had to carry that. But before that, he got by, betrayed by somebody close to him. And then abandoned by everybody else close to him and then arrested and beaten and humiliated and falsely accused, and he was humiliated and beaten again, and then flogged and humiliated again, and again, and again. And then on top of that, he was stripped naked and nailed to a cross in front of his own mother. I mean, you want to talk about suffering, Jesus gets it. And Jesus had every opportunity to snap his fingers and come down from the cross, but he didn't. Jesus was crucified so that we didn't have to be. Jesus was crucified to, to wipe away our sins because we used to be united with God in the garden. Then Adam and Eve kind of screwed it all up for us. And, and as soon as it happened, God said, no, 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 I want that unity back. I'm gonna fix this. And he does with Jesus. He, he, he gives up his one and only son, which, I mean, I have 11 nieces and nephews and to, to picture one of them go is painful. I, I don't understand yet what it's like to have a son. Uh, but to, to give that up and to watch your son suffer, that's love. Jesus was crucified so that we had a cross to unite under. Jesus was crucified so you didn't have to be. Jesus was crucified so your marriage didn't have to be. Jesus was crucified so your workplace didn't have to be, so our churches didn't have to be. He was crucified so that we can have unity, so that we can have life change and, and love and hope and, and a chance in this crazy world. So why do we keep doing it to ourselves? I mean, we have the answer right here. It, is it too good to be true and so we ignore it? but it's the one body and the one spirit. It has to be about Jesus and Jesus alone because so often, you know, maybe we've never reconnected with Jesus or, or we'll, we'll connect with Jesus and we'll begin to focus on him and begin to try and understand that. And so often we'll like, oh, Jesus is good and he's getting me through my tough situation. But then that pride starts creeping back in and we're like, okay, this is uncomfortable. Jesus, take my pride away. But because we actually have to put work in and we don't want to, we fall back into the pride or, or we're, we're focusing on Jesus and the suffering is starting to come in. We're like, Jesus, take it away, take it away. Okay, back to my addiction instead. But I'm gonna hold on to you too, God. Jesus, I'm gonna hold on to you and my addiction. Or Jesus, I'm gonna hold on to you and I wanna be defined by you and defined by what people say about me. Jesus, I wanna hold on to you and all this other stuff. But what you're gonna find out is that you can't do that is that pretty soon your grip on God is gonna fade away and slip and you're gonna be back to square one, ununified and hurt and broken. This cannot be. There is one body and one spirit. There is the one hope and that one hope is Jesus and the one faith is in Jesus and the one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And I love that. Because that's the God, that's the creator of the universe, the guy who spoke it and it began. We have that guy who is over us and he's over all and through all and he's in all and that includes the suffering. That, that includes the hard times. When we feel like God isn't there, he's there. And it includes the, the good times. When we feel like we don't need God, God is there with you in the good time. He wants to celebrate with you. But we have to let go of the other things and cling to only God. And some of the stuff is hard because we feel like it's good. 
some of the stuff are like, man, exercise is so good and it's so healthy for you, and it is, but when you're exercising more than you're building a relationship with God, it's a problem. When you start going to a Bible study because you heard about this guy called Jesus and you want this relationship with him, but when it comes, uh, becomes about the people other than the God you were united with, it's a problem. The devil is so sneaky, you guys, and he will do anything to distract you, even taking something good. And so we need to have a heart check this morning and see what, where is our focus? Is our focus on Jesus? Because if it's not, there's gonna be no unity. And no unity means no life change. And no unity means a whole lot more suffering. Where are we at this morning, you guys? Is our one hope on Jesus? Because as we grow that relationship with Jesus, we become more like him. And so by default, we become more humble because we're trying to be like him. By default, we become more gentle. We begin to be able to sit in the suffering because we now have true hope so we don't have to panic anymore in the suffering. And we have this, this reason as an individual we have this reason called Jesus as an individual to unite with God and, and we unite with him and because we're all uniting with God and Jesus, then we can unite together. Imagine how our world would change if in our marriages we put God first and we raised him up and because of that our marriages would be raised up. Imagine that if you did that with your kids, with your coworkers, if you did that in your own home, if you did that in our own churches, in our own small groups, you guys. This is so powerful. And so this morning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge all of us, myself included, because I struggle with all of this. Maybe you, you're like, yeah, the one, I got all of them, and you could probably tag on 10 more things. I'd struggle with those too. But this morning, here's what I want, because here what, what happens so awesome is we hear something from God, and we're like, man, I have been struggling. And so what happens is we go, oh man, I should, I should probably do that whole bear with one another thing. And I'll do it tomorrow. And we go out the doors, and it's the same weeks we've been having of misery and fights and disunity. And so this morning when the, when the worship team comes back up, we're gonna sing some worship, but there's gonna be some awesome people here that wanna come up and they wanna pray for you and they wanna pray with you. Don't leave here this morning without getting prayer, without taking a step into the humility, without taking a step into the gentleness, without taking a step in refocusing on Jesus. You cannot do it alone. And I thank God that there's people here that don't want you to do it alone. And if they're up here and they're praying with somebody else, don't get impatient, just wait. Like, Andrew, I don't like those people. They're weird and they smell funny. That's okay. Turn to the person to your right. Hey, will you pray for me? If they say no, turn to the person to your left. If they say no, turn to the person in front of you, behind you. If they say no, bump over to the next row and repeat. Because it's so important that you don't just take this in and leave here with no life change. God's not waiting till your drive home to change your life. God's not waiting until tomorrow at work when it's only gonna be harder to change. You know, God wants to build the unity starting right here and right now. Let's pray. Father God, uh, you are a good, good father. You are a good God. God, I, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, that, that we now have this banner, we have this, this cross to fall at the foot of to, to unite under. God, I'm so thankful we don't have to do life alone anymore. Father God, I pray for all of us in here, myself included, who have been having a rough week or a, a rough 2019 that's just been kicking our butts, God. God, I pray that we'd get help this morning. God, that we'd get prayer, that we'd, we'd begin to build that relationship with you, God, that maybe for the first time we connect with you, God, or, or maybe we just need to refocus on you. Whatever it is, I pray no one would leave here without talking about it, without talking to you, God. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I pray you bless our weeks, bless it with unity and love. And God, I pray you would be first and foremost this week in our lives. We love you, Father God. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.